Hello and welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul and my co-host Justin Baker and I are joining each other via Skype as uh, we attempt to knock out the rest of, well, all four divisions, the new divisions that have uh, been formulated just for this year. And uh, we are going to break down each team. But before we do that, we want to just kind of give a little bit of a uh, breakdown of everything that has kind of changed for this 56-game season uh, and and just kind of where you know new teams kind of fall into what division and, uh, of course, the new Canadian division that, that's going to happen and uh, some of the new rules with team rosters and, uh, and all that. And, and then we will, on this episode, do the Central Division, which is a new, a new Central Division. It's like half the teams from the Central Division. It's like old school Central Division, plus a, a few teams. Uh, eight teams per division other than, uh, other than the Canadian Division, right? The Canadian Division has seven. Is that right? Yep, that's correct. Yeah. Uh, so lots, much easier for Canadian teams to make the playoffs this year. Yeah, pretty much. Guaranteed four playoff teams for Canadians. Um, so the Central Division, I, I think, is is uh, probably, honestly, in terms of uh, the realignment, I think is maybe the most exciting because it brings back quite a few rivalries. Yeah, yeah I mean, you look at that old Western Conference, right? So there you go, when Detroit was still there. Well, and I love the possibility of, uh, you know, like, you've got Nashville, Detroit, Dallas, Detroit, uh, Chicago, Detroit is a big one that I, I, I mean, that that's probably the, the biggest downside to the Red Wings moving to the Eastern Conference is the lack of a, a Wings Blacks, Blackhawks rivalry. They only get to play each other twice a year, usually. And this year, we're going to get to see them play seven times. So that'll be fun. And uh, on top of that, just, you know, there, there is a chance here that some teams from last year that we maybe would have written off for a playoff spot, uh, you, you never know in these shortened seasons what's going to happen because if a team gets hot, they're in the playoffs. Like you, can, you can guarantee yourself if you have a, a nice 10, 15 game stretch where you pick up you know, out of out of thirty points in a fifteen game stretch, you pick up twenty five. I mean, you're almost securing yourself a playoff spot just in that stretch. Like you can do a lot for yourself in a short amount of time because there really isn't much ground to make up. So uh, it'll be interesting to see can a team like Detroit, uh, maybe a team like L.A. or San Jose, like teams that struggled last year, could they go on a little bit of a run and and kind of turn this thing around? Uh, but in, in terms of the, the actual divisions itself, anything that you felt like you were disappointed in? Um, to be quite honest, I don't know if I would say disappointed. I think, you know, um, you know, when, for, for example, like when I look at the central division, I, I, you know, last year as a Detroit fan, you know, you kind of look at it and you say, okay, they're clearly at the bottom of the East. They're going to be one of the teams that's going to be, um, you know, obviously looking to rebuild. And then on the West, you had a team like Chicago, right? They were kind of getting towards the bottom as well. And I feel like they're the, they're going to, you know, maybe soon uh, be the next Detroit team where they're, you know, they've dumped off their goaltending. Uh, you know, there's rumors already of their, you know, Patrick Kane and Taves maybe, you know, being shopped a little bit. So you've got this team in the West that's going to be potentially at the bottom. And now all of a sudden they're kind of shuffled up a little bit, right? So now you have, you know, these two teams at the bottom, 
now they're in the same division, right? So a team like maybe Ottawa, who's, you know, maybe looking to bounce back or a team like, uh, you know, Buffalo, for example, right? There's another team that's looking to bounce back. And now they get stuck in this super tough East division where I think, again, it's probably going to be, you know, a team where any from one to seven in that division could, you know, finish at the top or potentially at the bottom. So there's just, there's a lot of question marks going into each one of these divisions. And I think, uh, you know, with realignment and you only playing the teams in your division, you know, you could have these potential, you know, Detroit Chicago games where maybe if, you know, Detroit has Chicago's number, when you play them nine times in a season, that's a lot of points to be gained. Uh, you know, where Detroit could potentially vault themselves into a playoff spot if, you know, Chicago goes on a little bit of a bad run. And, um, you know, for example, you know, you have Tampa Bay and Dallas and the two Stanley Cup, you know, contending teams here. You know, what if they end up playing each other and now you have one team hot, one team not? And guess what? Now a team like Dallas that we thought could contend for a cup is now basically at the bottom of the division. Yeah, the the weirdest thing has to be Dallas and Tampa in the same division. Like they right. played each other in the Stanley Cup finals. They could play each other in the first round in these playoffs. Yeah. Which which honestly isn't unlikely. I mean when you when you look at that division, which it's to me maybe it's a little it's a toss up between the West and the Central, which one's the the worst division. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I mean Dallas and Tampa obviously they went to the finals, so you're kind of giving the nod to uh, like a little bump to the central, but I mean, Florida, Detroit, Chicago, Carol, like these Carolina, Carolina should be, should be pretty good. Uh, but it just kind of is a, in some ways, this division where like all the rest of the teams kind of got thrown in there. Uh, but anyways, it, yeah. it, it'll, it, I, I think it'll be, it, it's going to make things interesting. Uh, but the East division is insane. I feel bad for everyone in that division. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do too. And like, you know, the other team I look at too, uh, you know, Vegas Golden Knights, right? When they were playing that Pacific division, you kind of thought of them as the cream of the crop, right? They probably came into this season before all the realignment expecting to be right there at the top. And now you've got to go into a division with St. Louis, Colorado, two teams that you know are going to be right up there. So now it's like, okay, well, Vegas will be lucky if they finish in three or four at this at this spot. I mean, the other uh, St. Louis to me is is a little bit of a question mark, though. I mean, I, I, we'll, we'll get to St. Louis when we talk about right. the West. Right. We won't dive too deep into that. Uh, let, let's let's go through uh, just just some of the uh, the rules for rosters um, with the with the taxi squad, and you know, obviously there needs to be extra players available to these teams so that in case somebody something happens to somebody, somebody tests positive, they've got these guys sitting in the wings. Um, explain a little bit about what uh, what the changes will mean. Yeah, so for those who haven't read anything, there's basically what's referred to as the new taxi squad, right? So basically with the $81.5 million cap situation, you have to have your, your 23-man roster that you normally would in any other given year, right? But now teams will be required to carry an additional four to six players who don't count against the cap, but basically these guys will be, um, you know, guys that can – you can plug right into the lineup immediately uh, should anything happen COVID-related, right? Again, um, and that also includes the new goalie requirement, which is basically where teams will be required to have three goaltenders, whether that's two on your normal 23-man roster and one on your, um, you know, your your taxi squad, or whether that's all three right on your 23-man roster. But basically, uh, this, you know, again, kind of helps figure out the situation so we don't have to use emergency goalies as much. 
uh, don't have to make call-ups, that sort of thing, yeah. uh, kind of eliminates the need for people to travel and, uh, you know, not be with the, the squad full-time, basically. Yeah, I'm, I wonder with the goalie rule if it's something that will actually stay. If they say, you know what, every team just needs to have three goalies, and the one goalie won't count against your 23-man roster, won't count against the cap or something. Yeah, like, that, that is something I could see long-term because, again, I, don't get me wrong, it's always great to see that that uh, you know emergency goalie story and you know what was it with Carolina and Toronto last year. Yeah, uh, suck my balls. <laughs> I mean, those are always those are always fun and cool. Yeah, no, yeah of course. fun and cool stories. But uh, you know, again, I I think as a team, it's just it's better to have those three goaltenders, uh, just because again, if one goes down, and we see it all the time where guys go in to practice right the morning of or the warm up skating, a goaltender pulls a groin or something fluky happens. It I mean, it just occurs, and so it's just nice to have that um, you know that that reassurance that that backup goaltender there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, it just seems to make sense to have. I, I don't know. I, I'm not so worried about the the back the emergency goalie that oh he goes in and he does amazing like that that is a few and far between. I think we've seen it twice in the last like three or four years where an uh, right. emergency goalie actually gets some playing time and like ooh he played okay. Uh, I think it's it's more so. You know what happens if this guy has to go in and he gets shelled. <laughs> like that's that's annoying too. Um, either that or every team should have to designate one of their players as a uh, as a goaltender. That would be fun too. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> that's how or they the used to do coach. it. That's how they yeah. used to do it because teams only had one goalie, and then like the coach would go in or something. Like <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, okay, so I mean, essentially, teams get to carry extra guys. Uh, it's now it's not like they can. I think there's some rules against uh, where you can dump salary onto that four to six man. Like you can't just go, oh, this guy's expensive. Let's just dump him onto that one so he doesn't count against the cap. Uh, that stuff is has been like has been all worked out. So you can't do that. So sure. Uh, okay. Well, let's let's go to uh, the Carolina Hurricanes to start this Central Division, uh, a team that I think is definitely going looking at the division that they're in. I got to imagine that they will see this as an opportunity for themselves. Really, this division walks through the Tampa Bay Lightning. I think everyone else in here is beatable, including the Dallas Stars, who went to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, I I see the Dallas Stars a little bit more as a like that was their one off, kind of like the Sharks. You know, the Sharks went to the Stanley Cup final uh, in what two thousand and sixteen, and it's not like they went back. They didn't really get close to going back. I know the Sharks uh, lost in the second round two years ago. Um, I just I don't see this team as a like a perennial Stanley Cup finalist. Uh, I think I think it'll it'll be a relative one off uh, in my mind. I just just the way that the rest of the team uh, is aging. You know, you've got Radulov thirty four, Pavelski's thirty six. Uh, Jamie Benz 31 and and he looked good in the playoffs but in the regular season looked really sluggish uh, it's really a, it all goes through Sagan and and you've got some different guys down the down the down the pipeline but uh, on defense they're great but at the same time you could see this team losing in the first round like I don't think that they're like Tampa where we we say everything goes through this team 
No, 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 no. I, I absolutely agree. I think, you know, obviously Tampa is the, the cream of the crop when it comes to this division. And, and Dallas, again, this is a, you know, don't get me wrong. They had a good run last year, but I, I do agree with you. I do think it is more or less of a, a I don't want to say a fluke, because I do think they, they still have a, some talent there. But you had a lot of guys playing at their best. I mean, you know, Kudobin's a, a, a great backup goaltender, but I would have never guessed that he was going to play as well as he did last year. Uh, Jamie Ben, another guy who, you know, has had a few down years and suddenly, you know, even regular season wasn't playing hot, but comes in and has a tremendous playoff run. Same with Pavelski, just mediocre. You know, Corey Perry, same deal. Older guys who just didn't get it done regular season, but playoffs just showed up. And so, um, you know, again, I, I just don't see that happening again this time around. Um, you know, whether or not they have better regular seasons is another story. But, um, yeah, again, I just, you know, again, think this team, like you said, runs through Sagan runs through Ben Bishop and their goaltending. And so, um, you know, with new head coach here, you know, maybe they open up the offense a little bit more. Maybe they, you know, start scoring some more goals this season. But I think uh, it kind of caught everybody off guard in the playoffs. And I, I think, you know, teams will be a little bit more prepared, a little bit ready for what, you know, Dallas has. Yeah, I mean, and it's and it's not to say that Dallas is a bad team. Um, but no, no. no. I, I, in terms of for Carolina, you have to be looking at this, even even with everything running through Tampa Bay. Kucherov is out for the at least the regular season, uh, with a with a hip hip surgery that he just had or that he's having. Uh, I, I I can't remember which of them, but he's he's out for the the regular season. So you got to think that this division is so wide open, and if there's one team that you go, oh, that's this team is is better than a lot of people have really given them credit for. They've got some nice depth up the middle with uh, with Aho and Jordan Stahl and Vincent Trocheck could all play up the middle. Uh, they and, and and Ryan Dezingle, they they could really do some do some damage and when all is said and done, this team could be the central division champ. Well, at, at yeah. least the team in the at the end of the regular season that finishes first in the in the central division. Yeah, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities when you talk about a Carolina. Uh, we know they they have a lot of talent. They I mean has they have a load of talent back on the back end in terms of defense. You know, Dougie Hamilton's going to be up for a new contract. So, you know, what kind of season are you going to get out of him? And I think, obviously, Carolina would love to extend him. And, well, you're going to get uh, a fantastic they, season out of a guy. Um, Dougie Hamilton going, all right, I can get paid next year. Right. Like, this, this is it right here for you. I mean, this is his last big contract. And if he goes out and he – I mean, before he got hurt last year, he was in the running for the Norris Trophy. I mean, he right, was having absolutely. a fantastic year, 40 points in 47 games, 14 goals. Like, he would have scored 20 goals, no doubt, had he played a full season. He he would have gotten pretty darn close to probably 25 to 30 even, um, and 70 points. So, he, I mean, he had a great season. you you got to think that he's he's eyeballing a nice seven $8 maybe more dollar contract, depending on the year that he has this year. Uh, especially for a right-handed D. I mean, the the sky's the limit in terms of what some teams might be willing to give. Now, we don't totally know what the landscape will look like in six months from now when, when free agency happens, or seven months from now. I know it's weird to talk about free agency so close when the regular <laughs> season hasn't even started, but, uh, but it, I mean, it's true. I, and I agree, Carolina certainly would love to extend Dougie Hamilton, uh, but they, you know, it, it'll be... There, there's a few other guys they're going to need to extend too. One being Andrei Shvetsnikov, who you know put up almost a point per game 
in the regular season. Only played 68 games, but 61 points, 24 goals. I mean, certainly would have gotten 30 goals. Uh, I think you expect him to take another step forward. You know, possibly he's he's right at that point per game. He's he's in that thirty to forty goal mark. Uh, you got to expect that he's going to make six ish million a year. So you know, there's there's lots to consider, and I really think he is probably one of the most underrated young players coming into this season. Like he's proven that he can score. He's proven that he can play, and he he kind of is forgotten about. I mean, in general, Carolina's forgotten about, but uh, Shvetsnikov in, in particular, uh, when you're talking about you know these all these younger guys coming up, I think he's somebody who maybe gets uh, gets lost in the shuffle a little bit, and he certainly should not be because he could end up being, uh, I mean, the best player on this team, even even more effective than Sebastian Ajo when all is said and done. Yeah, I don't. I don't disagree with that at all. I mean, I, I still think Aho is the guy when it comes to this offense. You know, everything I think goes through him, both you know, from an offensive perspective and a defensive perspective. But you know, Sveshnikov is that he's that exciting piece, that that showstopper. He's that you know, he's that flash that this team you know really could use a little bit more of. And again, I, I think you're you're absolutely right about it. He's going to be another guy who takes a step forward, another young kid who's kind of going to go under the radar because, like you said, Carolina doesn't get a lot of, uh, you know, attention in terms of an exciting team. They're no, you know, you know, Toronto, they're no market like the New York Rangers. So, again, a lot of a lot of people just sort of forget about Carolina because, again, they're not they're not going to score and, and win games like, you know, for example, like the Maple Leafs 7-4, to 7-3. Um, you know, they're going to beat you 3-1, 2-1, to one, and then there'll be those random nights where they can put up five or six goals, no problem. But you know, again, I, I think obviously if I'm Carolina, the priority is Sveshnikov getting him re-signed, you know, whether that's six, seven million dollars uh, to a short or long term deal. And then, of course, I think, you know, you got to go, uh, you know, back to Hamilton at that point, see what kind of money you have left over. Because, um, you know, again, this is a team that, you know, while outside of Sveshnikov and Hamilton, there's really no other big name players that they need to re-sign. So uh, yeah, they, they've, you know, got, they've got twenty eight million in uh, projected cap space for next year, but no, no granted, no, no goalie signed. Right. And that's, that's the other thing, right. I want to talk about too, because I think, uh, you know, both these goalies are going to be yeah, not necessarily saying that, Hey, they want to go out and be, you know, a starter again next year, or they're, they're looking to earn that contract. But I think they're looking to, to say, Hey, I can still hang around and be a one B or potentially, you know, a stopgap starter for you for, you know, even another three, four years. Why, you know, you figure out the goaltending situation because uh, I'm, again, uh, Needlevich, um, you know, who they have in the minors right now, I'm not so sure if he's going to be the future net for this team. And, you know, again, he's only 24, might prove me wrong, but, um, you know, if I have to look at any one of these goaltenders right now, I think Mrazek would be the, the guy who they could look at and say, okay, we could, you know, at 28 years old, he could still be a viable number one A one B type goaltender for you for another three four years. Yeah, I assuming think, that I think Mrazek is is certainly got to be the option you're looking at right now. To, right. I mean, he he had a great playoff despite you know Carolina of course uh, lost, but uh, he had a, he had a really nice playoff. He played well nine two nine save percentage. I mean, he he isn't a guy that's going to probably steal you a series, but he's not really somebody who's going to lose you one either. Right, exactly. Yeah, and that, that's pretty rel- it, relatively steady, despite a, a kind of a lackluster regular season. Uh, you know, just a nine oh five save percentage, but so, some of that is just you know, he he still did pretty well despite a uh, 
a lower save percentage, but like still, he was still winning games, uh, which is an important part of of that position as well. Right, and I think that's that's the thing too. You know, you you want a guy that not necessarily you're worried about all the time back there, and I think Morazic does add a little stability, especially because you know they're spending all their money on defense right now. They're spending a lot of their money on their top forward guys, and so um, you know if you can save a couple bucks, have a goaltender who's you know relatively inexpensive in terms of starter money, and yet still be very reliable. That's that's an ideal situation. I think a lot of teams would love to have, and so. Uh, you know, getting Morazic, you know, uh, to have another good season, and if you can maybe re-sign him for you know two or three years around, you know, three four million dollars again, that would just be you know, I I mean that would just be a perfect situation for Carolina. Okay, uh, we will come when we come back at the very end after we go through every team, we'll uh, we'll drop in our our playoff teams. Uh, but I think it's I think it's safe to say that Carolina is definitely on that playoff bubble <laughs> in, in this in this division. They're they're one of the favorites, but we'll we'll come back and we'll. Uh, We'll give our our standings prediction for this division. Uh, let's go to the Chicago Blackhawks, uh, who had a, I'll just say a tumultuous offseason. Uh, just kind of, I mean, you don't have to look further than Brendan Saad being dealt to the Black or to the Colorado Avalanche for Nikita Zadorov. Uh, really, just the signing rights. Then is uh, Nikita Zadorov and then Anton Lindholm. Uh, and Zadorov signed at what a one year, three point two million dollar deal. Uh, the Blackhawks kind of just began to take apart their team. Uh, Colin Delia, Malcolm Subban are your 1A, 1B, uh, spending $1.85 million on their goaltending position right now. Uh, they you know, obviously still have Taves and Kane and Alex Dabrinkit, and they had some some of their younger guys like Kirby Doc and Dylan Strom, who is still not re-signed. Uh, playing pretty well in the playoffs especially they you know and Adam, Adam Boakvist uh, will certainly be somebody who they'll look upon to have a a growth type of season here in his second year uh, but the Chicago team I think for the most part has kind of taken themselves apart and of course you know Taves and Kane unhappy about that this is going to be a weird year because it seemed like they took a step forward when they beat the Edmonton Oilers in that preliminary round and went to the playoffs and uh, actually had a pretty nice little run there and now it's just kind of looks like they're they're pulling it like a New York Rangers style like eh, we need to we need to retool and we're just going to be bad like we didn't really plan on being good last year <laughs> yeah you know what it, it's funny to me because I think you know goaltending is always like if you don't have a goaltender, you don't have anything. Let's just let's just be perfectly honest about that, in my opinion, because um, you know you could be missing an elite center, you could be missing uh, you know top line guys, but if you have decent goaltending, you can still sort of compete, right, for bubble positions. But I think they pretty much you know made their mark when they said, okay, see a Corey Crawford, buy Robin Leonard. We're not dealing with either one of you guys, and we're going to go spend, like you said, one point eight five million dollars on goaltending. That, that basically is the storyline right there that you're saying we're rebuilding. We're not, we're not touching, you know, we're, we're not expecting to be very competitive. Um, and I think, you know, especially with Taves and Kane being 32 years each, still playing at the top of their game, this is the, the opportunity if you're Chicago to be able to get value back in trading these guys. Because don't get me wrong, um, you know, even though they're, they're in their young 30s, 
you know, usually a lot of teams, they, they get scared about shelling out big trade packages for guys that are, you know, this expensive, you know, still with three years left on their contracts. But, you know, even in their 30s, you know, guys, they expect guys to basically slow down at this point. Uh, Kane is one of those guys I don't really see ever doing that. But, um, you know, the way Jonathan Taves plays, you know, maybe you could see that uh, happening here soon. But regardless, you know, I think now's the time if you're Chicago to unload these guys, if you're looking to rebuild. But I, I, I understand from, you know, a Taves and Kane perspective again, too, you know, that would, you know, you're, you're still expecting to be competitive. They, you know, even a couple of years removed, they were still a pretty decent team. And, um, you know, if you go in there and get a decent goaltender, you could still be competitive. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, the 2014-15 Buffalo Sabres when they had Jonas Enroth, Michael Newverth, and Anders Lindback as the, <laughs> as their goaltenders, and it was just a total dumpster fire. Granted, that team's leading scorer was Tyler Ennis and Matt Molson and Brian Gianta. <laughs> uh, so definitely not the same amount of talent up front as the Chicago Blackhawks have right now. That's what's so unusual about this is that you're trying to – a, you're trying to rebuild with Kane Taves to bring it uh, up front, uh, along with Dylan Strom, who looks like he could he could actually turn into a a, a decent player. Uh, it just seems weird to do that, but then also you're rebuilding without like without them on board. It's pretty clear that Kane and Taves are not on board to rebuild. They want to win. Like, oh no, absolutely, and it's not like I mean, don't get me wrong, it's if your two top guys are not on board with this, you know, it's clear that, I mean, I hate to say it, but, but they've got to go, right? If you want to make this rebuild happen, you've got to get rid of these guys. Um, but to me again, too, it's, it's still disturbing that they want to go through rebuild because I think for any team to be successful in a rebuild, you have to have still some established talent up front and some young pieces that are still making that transition to where in a couple of years you can still be competitive with both of them. And I think they have it right now with guys like Dylan Strom, Kirby Dock, Dabrinkit, guys that can still make their mark while you have Caves and Kane still able to produce. You know, obviously the back end's a little bit of a different story. You know, you've got Adam Boquist, Duncan Keith is still serviceable, but outside of that, they really don't have a ton of talent back there. Um, so, I mean, if they had just gone out maybe this offseason and, you know, spent a couple bucks on goaltending, then it would be a whole different story. Yeah, uh, it's strange. It seems strange. It's they're they're going to be a middling team again, rather than like just attempt to make the playoffs because you're already a middling team. Like there's there's just no way you're not going to be decent with Kane and Taves. It's just right. that's just it. Uh, yeah, the Blackhawks are are definitely a strange doing doing it a strange way. And maybe maybe they they go out and they they bring in some goaltender here. Uh, you know, yeah, Craig Anderson's still available. Uh, no, he actually I mean, just Jimmy signed. Howard. Craig Did Anderson really? just signed, I believe, with Washington is what I just saw. I like as as I was getting ready for the show, I I saw something pop up. Uh, Craig Anderson signed somewhere, so I'll. Oh, good, good. I I mean, he's still a very serviceable. Oh, he's a, yes, he signed with the Capitals. Uh, to a PTL, oh, a PTL though. Oh, okay. I mean, that's that's still expected. So I he could go think... somewhere else. Yeah, he could, but I think Sam Stonoff would still be. Uh, looking to have somebody else who can still handle, you know, 30, 40 games with him. So that's that's a good good deal for me. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's go Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, this is a team that I think everyone assumed would take a big step backwards after losing Panarin and, and of course, like all the deadline players that they brought in, like Duchesne. Uh, I think we, th- we thought this would be kind of the end of the Blue Jackets. Possibly Tortorella would, would be forced to move on because they just – 
you know, wouldn't look good anymore. And, and he kind of wears on people, but instead kind of the opposite happened. They rallied around the fact that they didn't have a star player and they, they made things happen. And, uh, this team goes and granted they they do lose to the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, in in the first round of the playoffs, but they beat the Toronto Maple Leafs in the preliminary round, and uh, they you know I I don't I don't look at this team and say that they got worse over the offseason. They didn't particularly do much to make themselves better. I don't think that bringing in Miko Koivu was much of a much of a needle pusher, but uh, you you would expect Pierre Luc Dubois if he ever signs to. Uh, to continue to improve, I mean, on his, you know, forty-nine points in seventy games, but in the playoffs, a point per game producer, uh, you, I would think that that he has a little bit better of a regular season this year. But this this is uh, this is a team that all goes through Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski. There's no no other uh, no other way to say it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, obviously, when you talk about top pairing guys. Uh, you know, top two guys in the league in terms of defense. You know, we talked about Carolina, right? They've got uh, Jacob Slavin, Dougie Hamilton, and then Columbus here. They've got Wierenski and Seth Jones. These two guys are phenomenal defenders. Uh, you know, Wierenski, we know he can score the goals, right? He led all defenders last year in goal scored. Uh, Seth Jones, to me, he's a Norris Trophy guy. Almost every year he's been on the ice for the last couple of years here. Um, you know, clearly this is a team that, you know, they're going to they're gonna win games not scoring too many goals, right? They're a team that maybe could desperately use a star player up front, just like Carolina, right? They've got Sveshnikov. They could really use that type of electric player. Um, you know, and again, the offseason, they brought in a guy by the name of Max Domi, right? They unload Josh Anderson to to the Canadians. Again, I'm not really sure why Canada went out and instantly uh, re-signed this guy. But, you know, Columbus brings in a Max Domi, who's just a season removed from a 72-point campaign and at $5.3 million at 25. This is a guy, to me, who, you know, whether or not he's playing center or on the wing, I think, obviously, uh, they're probably looking to make him their number two center guy. So this could be a perfect situation for him to really go out and shine uh, because, again, Columbus desperately needs a star forward up front outside of Pierre-Luc Dubois. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I forgot that uh, Max Domi went to Columbus, so that's that's my bad. Uh <laughs> Obviously, he kind of he he changes the makeup a little bit. Uh, Max Domi is kind of I mean I guess he's due for another another good season because next year he won't be good. But the he's kind of an every other guy. Uh, but yeah, obviously obviously he does he does something in terms of if for their offense too. I mean Columbus needs to score more goals if they're going to be able to compete in the playoffs long term. Uh, really, at this point, it's you've got Cam Atkinson scoring you goals. And then it's really just a collection of of fifteen to twenty goal scores. Like you, you need some guys who are really going to push the uh, push the needle in terms of scoring goals, being consistent, being able to get up at near that thirty goal mark. Uh, I would think that actually, like Pierre Luc Dubois, I think has some potential. Maybe not to put up thirty to forty, but at least in that twenty to thirty mark. Which you know he had twenty seven a couple years ago. Uh, only 18 this last year in 70 games, but uh, to me looked a little bit better in the playoffs again. And uh, so I, I would expect that this Columbus team probably still is about the same as they were last year. Like, I don't expect them to be world beaters other than the fact that they're in this pretty bad division. So maybe they, you know, and there, there's some teams that, uh, that they haven't gotten to play very much. Like they're going to get, they're going to get to play the Detroit Red Wings seven times. 
I mean, that's that's a that's a boost for a lot of these teams. Uh, uh, that's for for a team like Tampa Bay, Dallas, Carolina. That it's almost like you're looking at playing Detroit seven times, and you're assuming you're probably going to win five of those. Sure. No, that's that's absolutely fair, and I think you know you kind of you kind of hit it right on the head there. Uh, for a team that finished fourth worst in terms of goals for, but fourth best in terms of goals against, um, you know, Columbus could make a little bit of noise because, again, they get to play Detroit, they get to play Chicago, they get to play Florida, all these teams who were terrible in terms of goals against last year. And, you know, maybe Florida out of those three is the team that maybe has the the opportunity to improve because they still had Bobrovsky back there. But, um, you know, as far as Detroit and Chicago concerned, uh, these are two teams rebuilding who Columbus could take advantage of and put up some goals and especially for a guy like Max Domi who you know next year will be in a contract year he could be looking to say hey you know what I want to stick around here long term I'm going to be the guy that's you know you're going to look to to be the go-to guy outside of Pierre-Luc Dubois and so you know that could be an opportunity for him to really make a lot of noise okay uh yeah that's uh I think that's that's pretty much the Columbus Blue Jackets in a nutshell is this is a team that they really they could finish first or second in this division and I wouldn't be shocked they could also finish towards the bottom, and you wouldn't really be that shocked. Although a team coached by John Tortorella isn't usually going to be bad, uh, they'll just you know struggle to get into the playoffs. I think is is probably where this team is at. Um, but because there are so many bad teams in this division, we'll we'll see. They they might be a lock for that like fourth spot. Uh, but we'll we'll give our playoff predictions at the end here. Let's go Dallas Stars, a team that was in the Stanley Cup Finals last year. We touched on them a little bit. Uh, maybe not expecting them to be perennial Stanley Cup finalists, but I mean they have some fantastic players, especially on that back end. They are uh, when you look at the other teams in this division. I mean, the only you you look at Tampa could can, can compete on the back end with Dallas, and then I guess Nashville to a to to some extent Nashville can. Uh, but I, I think that you've got you've got Dallas and Tampa Bay with their back end, and, and that's you're really not scared of any of these other teams in terms of total depth. I mean, Columbus, of course, has Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski, but outside of that, they're you know the average defensemen. But Dallas is just loaded back there. Yeah, I, I particularly you know want to pay attention to a guy by the name of Miro Heiskanen who to me, was the best defenseman in the whole entire playoffs last year. Um, and I, I would not be shocked. I mean, look, 26 points in 27 games. This guy was on fire the whole playoffs. And don't be shocked if we see him at the top of the leaderboard board in terms of, uh, you know, points for defensemen and, and hear his name in the, the Norris Trophy conversation because I, I've loved this guy's game ever since he came to the league. And I think between him and Kleenberg, and the rest of that defensive group they have back there, they're they're in great hands. And not only that, but then they've got probably the best goaltending tandem in the entire NHL. Yes, that always helps. <laughs> yes. And so, you know, with young guys like Rupe Hintz, um, you know, uh, what's, God, why can't I think, Gorionov, um, you know, they've got a couple young guys looking to still establish themselves, uh, you know, to prove that last year wasn't so much of a fluke for them, but they're still going to be established players and potentially top six guys for this team. Um, not to mention guys like Ben and Pavelski who are a little bit up there in terms of age that, um, you know, they still want to say, hey, you know, I'm still worth the money you're paying me. 
Um, it'll be interesting to see with new coaching how this this team does now that everybody knows what they're about, that they can now score a couple goals and not just be a defensive 2-1, 3-2 type of you know team to go out and play against. Well, all you need is for Kibi Ranta to score you another hat trick. <laughs> Guy has... Uh, has scored one goal in the regular season, but he has five in the playoffs. So beautiful. <laughs> it's uh, always fun those stories. Um, yeah, the Dallas Stars. I, I think the one, if there's anything that is that's going to affect them, it's just age. Like that's the one thing that you know that they're they're more talented players. Our they're they're moving. Other than Sagan, they're really moving out of their prime. So that would be the one thing that would concern me for the Stars is, you know, do you get fall off from some of these guys? You mentioned they had really everything come together for them, but they could also have everything fall apart fall apart for them really quickly. Uh, we've, we've seen this team kind of take go up and down in the regular season, and I think when, when all is said and done, that, that is the one question mark. Um, I do think they get into the playoffs. I'll, I'll say this for the Dallas Stars. I, I think they're in the playoffs for this division. Um, there's there's no doubt that there are some slug, some slugs in this division, and I think that Dallas will be able to to jump ship pretty easily and hop into the playoffs. But once the playoffs begin, it's it'll be you know it'll be iffy. I mean, I don't know what what this long break will have done to these older players, like. Is it good for them or is it bad for them? Like, and uh, you could definitely make an argument for both, you know, in terms of the body and being used to what it is, what it's experiencing, and uh, will they be as fast, you know, or will they be able to get back to where they were at? But then at the same time, you know, maybe this is really good for them, and and they're one of the teams that'll benefit. You could really look at it both ways. So, uh, I think this is a team that makes the playoffs, but I got to see them score more goals if I'm gonna, you know, have them as a as a team that maybe could go on and beat Tampa Bay. Yeah, and I want more out of Tyler Sagan this year, right? He's that one guy. He has so much potential, and every year I keep thinking, okay, this is going to be a breakout year, and so maybe this is finally the year that he does it. But again, maybe this is the year where I'm like, you know what? Screw it. Never again. I'm just – Tyler Sagan is what he is at this point. And so uh, to me, this has got to be that year where, you know, especially like you talk about guys getting older, um, you know, he's got an opportunity to hear playing a lot of – um, you know, sluggish teams, like you said, a lot of bottom feeder teams where he's got an opportunity to really do some damage now. All right, uh, let's go Detroit Red Wings. This is these are your boys. Obviously, they're uh, they're in a rebuilding phase still, uh, but some things that you look for in this regular season. Uh, what what are you looking for them to do with what they have? Well, I mean, for Detroit, it's it's obvious that they're they're still going to be a bottom team, right? They're not going to, uh, in my opinion, contend for a top four spot. I think they'll, they'll make some teams nervous. They might, um, get pretty close to it, but ultimately I think it's best for this franchise to still finish at the bottom. Um, they've got a lot of good young players. We talk about it, right? Dylan Larkin every year, he is going to be their, their top guy. Um, you know, Anthony Mantha re-signed Tyler Bertuzzi is up for a new contract. So, um, you know, this is going to be a prove it year for him as well. Um, other young guys like Robbie Fabry, Vladdy Nemestikov, um, you know, to, to still earn some more money, some more dollars on their next contracts. And then on the back end, Philip Ronick, he's another young Swede who, um, you know, could make a lot of a lot of noise there. He handled himself very well playing against top line guys, 
almost 24 minutes a night. Um, and then, of course, you've got a bunch of younger kids in the, the minors. Your Joseph Valenos, uh, Evgeny Sveshnikovs, guys who maybe, you know, these are make-it-or-break-it years for them because they've been basically bouncing you know, back and forth between the minors and the NHL for so long that maybe it's time to say, hey, this is where I'm going to stick at this point with the expanded rosters. But all in all, you know, it's it's still a rebuild. It's still, you know, just making small steps to be, you know, just a little bit better. Um, because, again, next year they've got almost about $46 million in cap space. So they've got a lot of money to spend. They could go out and, you know, re-sign big-name guys, for example. I mean, you've got, you know, Jonathan Bernier's, you know, going to be up for a new deal after this season. And, you know, if the Wings want to go out and make a splash, they could go after a guy like Freddie Anderson, who's going to be a free agent next year. Um, you know, maybe even a Tuka Rask, who's still at 34, still has, um, you know, a few years left in him. So, again, you've got opportunities there to to make a splash next year as long as, you know, they still continue on that path because they finish at the bottom. They've got a lot of a lot of draft pieces. They've got a first-rounder, three second-rounders next year, so they could make a big splash come, you know, the draft and maybe free agency. And, you know, who knows, next year, um, you know, we could be talking about them being a bubble team. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Uh, <laughs> I'm overly optimistic. Let's just say that. But Luca, uh, Lucas Raymond hasn't signed a contract yet, has he? Um, no, he signed a contract, but uh, he's playing over in Sweden right now. He's doing actually quite well over there. Um, so he's a guy that, again, I don't think is going to be on this Detroit team. I think they'd rather just leave him over there in Europe, let him grow, let him play top line minutes because that's yeah, you don't be want best him on for his team. development. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's no point. But I mean, to me, the Red Wings they've got Darren Helm, Valtteri Filppula, Luke Glendening, Bobby Ryan, Mark Stahl, Patrick Nemeth, John Merrill, all these guys you could and, and Jonathan Bernier, all these guys you could potentially flip for assets at the deadline. Uh all of them under 4 million dollars at least. So, uh, I think there's there's a strong possibility that at least two or three of those guys will go at the deadline, especially like a Bobby Ryan. I, I don't expect him to be here uh, at the end of this season, uh, but I think that they can at least acquire some more assets. I mean, when I look at the draft picks they have available for next year, yes, three second round, two, two third rounds, um, and then the rest of their picks other than a seventh round pick, but I think they'll load up here uh, as we move to the deadline. So I, I think that's... That's really what you can hope for is like Bobby Ryan has a huge season. Glenn Denning has a has a better season than what he had last year. If Darren Helm can uh, can put up fifteen goals in you know in, in forty five games or whatever, like you you'd be pretty happy. And and if he can stay healthy, uh, I think you could probably flip them for for some decent assets, uh, and and be in a in a better position in terms of the draft. Uh, okay, let's go Florida Panthers. Let's uh, let's roll through the Panthers here. Who uh, They are now without Mike Hoffman, but they add Patrick Hornquist and Alexander Wenberg, or Venberg, as I should say. Uh, <laughs> offensively, I think those two players can make up for the loss of Mike Hoffman. Uh, maybe not on the power play, but uh, their power play is generally pretty decent. Uh, and, uh, I mean, I the... Adding Radko Gudis is never never a bad thing on that back end, and uh, of course Anton Strawman back there as well. This team, look, they're they're trying they're trying to compete. Uh, I know they had Strawman last year too, but uh, they they do have a better defensive core. I think with Gudis being added back there, and it's all about Bobrovsky 
Can Bobrovsky have a halfway decent season? If he does, they'll probably be in the be in the playoff hunt. If he doesn't, they they might finish last in this division. Along with yeah, Detroit. I I absolutely agree. I think he is the storyline when you talk about these Florida Panthers because we know we know they've got some decent talent on the back end in terms of Ekblad and Yandel and Racco Gudis, um, and they've got good talent up front with Barkov, Huberdeau, Patrick Hornquist. You know, even I loved, I particularly love the signing of Anthony Duclair. You've got a 40-point guy who has the potential to be a little bit better. I would love to see him on that top line with Barkov and Huberdeau because that little bit of grit he brings to it and that, that scoring touch at $1.7 million is amazing. So, again, he's going to be another, you know, in another prove-it type year to get a long-term deal. And so this could be a team that maybe fits for him long-term. But, again, it all boils down to Bobrovsky, right? Can he stop the puck? And I think, you know, you looked at his numbers last year. Um, you know, this team in terms of goals for was not so hot, right? They were, um, you know, even though they, they were kind of, you know, I, I guess they were up there in terms of goals for, they, they scored, but goals against is the concern. And when you finish fourth worst in the league in terms of goals against behind teams or, you know, in front of teams like Detroit, Ottawa, New Jersey, who just, again, are bottom feeder teams rebuilding Florida's not supposed to be a rebuild here so you know when you've got that kind of you know um, open for business type net it's it doesn't speak well and especially with the coaching staff they have with coach Q there I think they'll they'll figure out a way to get it turned around I, I believe here yeah one uh, one other acquisition to not write off is uh, Nudivara coming from Columbus uh, just really I think Columbus just couldn't couldn't afford to hold on to him and, and had a, a gluttony of defensemen back there that were all relatively the same. Uh, I, I think that he will, he, he played pretty well in the playoffs for Columbus and should be a, a pretty good addition for the Panthers too. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. They've, again, they've, they've got depth at D and um, you know, hopefully that, that translates into that the goaltending maybe can stop the few pucks that he's, he's seeing back there. So, um, you know, again, Bobrovsky's contract is still looming. It's, 10 million bucks for quite a while. So um, he's got to get it turned around now. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing that, that uh, you're hoping for the Panthers is that some of their, their draft picks will actually move on into the, the, the top roster. Like, can we see some of these higher end guys like a, like an Owen Tippett who was taken a few years ago, had a good season last year for the Springfield Thunderbirds in the AHL 40 points in 46 games. Uh, you know, you've got uh, Alexi Hopinyemi. Can any of these guys come in and make the team? Which which Hopinyemi uh, is is playing for Moto right now. I or uh, so I don't know if he's if he's actually coming over for training camp. But it'll be you know that that's that that can be a big wild card. If I mean Florida has picked pretty high in the draft and has made some good picks. I mean at least a cool. On the on paper, they've made some good picks. Uh, can these guys now come up, make the team, and make an impact? Which really, when you look at this roster outside of Huberdeau and Barkov, you look at it and you go, "Yeah, I mean, where's the high end talent coming from the draft?" And, and Ekblad, of course, on, on the back end. But uh, everyone else has just kind of been been brought in, or guys who have been drafted by them, but they're not exactly high end high-end guys like a like a, a Mackenzie Weger yeah he's taken in the seventh round he's a decent defenseman but he's he's not doing anything too crazy for you uh, right where, and, where and, is the Owen Tippets who are supposed to be able to come in and be a goal scorer for you right and, and you talk about wild cards too another one for me with this Florida team is Alexander Winberg 
Um, you know, he signed a one-year prove-it deal with them. He'll get an opportunity to be your second or third-line center here, especially with Trocek and Holligan. Um, you know, they're looking at him to say, okay, we want you to get back to that 50-point year that you were at, you know, a few seasons ago in Columbus. And, uh, you know, if they can get pretty close production to that, then I think they'd be pretty happy. And hopefully, you know, for Winberg, too, he's got to look to turn his career around at this point because at 26, this is that point for a forward where you're like, okay, this is what you're going to be moving forward. Yeah, either you're either you're going to figure it out or you're going to be gone. Uh, speaking of Eric Howla, the Nashville Predators uh, brought him in to a, a basically a one year. Uh, he's he's got one year, uh, one point seven five million dollar deal, uh, and this team is a team that needs to figure it out. I mean, they've got M- Michael Granlin for another year. They've got Matt Duchesne signed to this fatty eight million dollar a year deal. Uh, they bring in Brad Richardson, who has been pretty good for the for the Arizona Coyotes. This team has to figure it out right here, right now. I don't see, now that Kyle Turris is gone, you don't have that as an excuse. I don't see this team uh, beyond this year. If they go and they don't make the playoffs or they lose in the first round again, I don't see how you can keep this team together. No, I agree. And you know what? They, they brought in a new coach last year, John Hines. Uh, midway through the season so now you've got you've had that off season right you've had that time to really figure out what you're going to do with this roster you know how you're going to use guys how what kind of system you really want to install and what works best for your group of forwards and defensemen here and if it doesn't work this year i agree i think you have to because they've been riding guys like johansson philip forsberg for so long that i think it's time to make or to break it right not necessarily they have to make it's to the Stanley Cup Finals, but I want to see them win a round or two in the playoffs and make a little bit of noise because, um, you know, if you come in and you, especially if you don't even make the playoffs in this division, I think that's even more alarming. I think they have to make the playoffs, um, you know, especially with, you know, three teams at the bottom, um, you know, behind them. I think they have to hit that, at least that number four spot there. But, um, you know, again, they've got good talent up front guys who have that potential to be difference makers with Johansson, Duchesne, Forsberg, you know, Victor Arvidsson, but, and, and then when you look at the back end, you know, Yossi and Ellis, these are two elite guys at their position. And they've got another younger kid, Dante Fabro, who's been coming up. He's looking pretty good. He could elevate his game at 22 years old and be another difference maker on that back end. Um, and then you've got UC Saros, who's basically in a position now with Pecorine having such a, you know, a lackluster season last year where he's got to come in and say, hey, this is my team. I'm taking it over. And you're going to give me a big extension after this year um, because he's an RFA and, you know, he wants to prove, you know, with Rene's contract being up after this year that he's going to take the ball and run with it. Yeah, we'll see if John Hines can get these these four guys going. I mean, Brian Johansson, Matt Duchesne, Philip Forsberg, Victor Arvidsson, they accounted for 63 goals last year. Their four highest paid forwards. 63 goals. I mean, that's that's what Not it's, good enough. it's an average of, of just over 15 goals per player. That's a joke. That's an right. absolute joke. And I know it's only in 68 games. So, so you know, we'll say, okay, it's an average of like 19 goals per, you know, over the, over the course of an 82 game season. But it, Listen, they it's did more not play well. No, their, their top point getter was Roman Yossi, 65 points in 69 games, which is great. And when you're paying him $9 million, you kind of expect production like that. But he was almost 20 points better than the next highest guy, Philip Forsberg, at 48 points. That's unacceptable from a forward position. You have to have – I mean, I'm not saying your your top point getter has to be a forward um, because we've seen teams be successful with their defensemen being their best point getter. Um, but 
I think there can't be that sort of separation between your top forward and top defenseman. Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johansson are the two most overpaid players in the NHL, and they're both on the same team. <laughs> find yeah, me, you, find me a more like a player who is more overpaid than the two of those guys. The two of those guys together put up seventy-eight points. Yeah, yeah how much is Nashville kicking themselves? I'd rather be giving Seth Jones that eight million bucks right now. Yeah. So, Good job trading him away. I, uh, uh, I mean. That is where you have like those four guys. They they have to be able to figure this out. They they need to, you know, if if they don't all have in a fifty six game season, if they don't all have over forty points, I think you're in trouble. If you're Nashville, uh, we'll see what John Hines can do. John Hines did some did some magic his first year in New Jersey uh, when he took a team that was not good to the playoffs. This Nashville team has talent. Can he kind of? grind it out of some of these guys and get their offense going. Hopefully with the new system uh, he can. Otherwise, Nashville is probably going to have to... Uh, you know, there's there's going to be a lot of potential rebuilding because you know it, David Poyle isn't getting any younger and eventually he's going to have to turn the reins over to someone else. I, mean, I think he's 70-something. 75 maybe? Yeah, he's up there. Alright. Uh, last team, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Stanley Cup champions. Uh by the way, a David Poyle is 70. So okay. sorry to give you those extra five years, Dave. Didn't, <laughs> didn't mean to be 70, though, which is which is definitely up there for a, for a general manager in the league. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, they just re-signed Anthony Sorelli to a three-year, $4.8 million deal. And they seem to have been able to keep this team together for the most part, other than, uh, other than of course, Nikita Zador- uh, Kucherov, who is out for the entire regular season. I don't know why he just decided to get hip surgery, but, uh, you know, hey, he's had, you've had, what, five months off, and you get surgery five months later? That seems weird, but uh, Barkley Goodrow, Blake Coleman, these guys who they acquired at the deadline still have an extra year left on their deal, and uh, and Patrick Maroon's here for another two years, so that means that the the Lightning win the Cup two years in a row, or three years in a row, right? (laughs) Because... (laughs) <laughs> he just wins the cup everywhere he goes now. Yeah, um, boy, I got to say, I I love that they have these these guys Barclay, Goudreau, uh, Blake Coleman still signed for another year because again those assets are paying off and you're seeing it now because again when you lose a, a superstar like Nikita Kucherov, one of the top guys in the league, you now need that depth a little bit more. And one of the reasons for you know Tampa Bay's success in the playoffs last year was was this third line pairing with Yanni Gord. Goudreau and Coleman, they were just so effective. And I think if you're Tampa, especially now, um, you know, being able to keep keep the band together because Kucherov's money's coming off the books on LTIR, um, you know, you get an opportunity for for some of these depth guys to shine a little bit more uh, longer term. And so, I, I think not only that, I think you know, with, if you get Steven Stamkos back, who again, you know, another yeah, guy that, who is on IR, that's what you need. Is is Stamkos if he can play. And you know, yes. and he's and he's alive for the whole regular season. Then, then you're in good shape, you know, because you didn't right. have exactly. him during the during the playoff run, and you at least get him back. So you kind of swap Stamkos for Kucherov, which isn't a perfect one for one, but it certainly is better than not having either of them. Right, exactly. It's it's better than any other team could could probably do right now. Sure. But I think in terms of you know this, these depth guys, not only do they get to maybe you know showcase these guys a little bit more not necessarily for deadline acquisitions but i think longer term deadline or you know maybe say 
free agency uh, draft day trades. You know, guys like Tyler Johnson, uh, Anthony Sorelli, maybe guys, um, you know, Andre Palats, those guys that maybe you need to unload, you know, for next season. Because, again, when Kucherov comes back, I don't expect the cap to really to, you know, the needle to move on that very much. You have to move one of these guys off your books, unfortunately. Yeah, it's um, going to be it's going to probably be Tyler Johnson is my guess. But. Right. More than likely. More than likely. But again, this is a year where now you get or an opportunity Kalorn. for Tyler Johnson. Right. For a guy like Tyler Johnson or Kalorn to play a little bit more and just say, hey, you know, these guys still have, you know, NHL years left in the tank with these deals that are, you know, extended beyond this season. So uh, gives them an opportunity to showcase them. So maybe they can move one in the offseason. OK, let's let's do our predictions for. Uh for the playoffs. Who, who do you have in the central division making the playoffs? Um, well, obviously I think the team we just talked about Tampa Bay, I think they're the elite of the elite when it yeah. comes to this, this division. Uh, beyond that, I love Carolina. I think they have an opportunity here, um, you know, really make some noise. Um, outside of that, the next two spots I think are going to be um, up in the air. There's going to be four teams that I think have an opportunity to compete. Um, ultimately though, I think Columbus gets in, and I think Dallas gets in. Okay. Yeah, I I mean, when you, you go Tampa, Carolina, Dallas, and Columbus, it means you're leaving out Nashville and Florida, which Florida, okay, Nashville's really the one team where you're like, oh, wow, they're not going to make the playoffs. Um, I definitely think Tampa Bay finishes one. I think that uh, the Nashville Predators, I think they're going to figure this out. I think that John Hines is going to come in and he's going to... Uh, open this team up a lot and I think that'll be good for Pekka Rene. I think that uh, you'll get both Rene and Saros splitting time and I think that it'll be good for them to get more action. Some goalies just play better with more shots against them and I think <laughs> Rene is one of them. Uh, I think that the Predators actually finish in either the two or three. I think that the Carolina Hurricanes do make the playoffs and I, I get, I, it's got to be the Dallas Stars. I mean, there's to me, there's just too much talent there for them not to make the playoffs. I think the Columbus Blue Jackets will uh, will take a little bit of a step back, and uh, that leaves Columbus, Chicago, Florida, and Detroit outside of the playoffs. So I guess my one my one difference is Nashville getting in and Columbus not. Okay, yeah, I love it. I do think uh, again, I think Detroit, Chicago, they're at the bottom of this division. But I do think between, like I said, I had Florida and Nashville just on the outside looking in. I think if there's any one team, like you said, Columbus, I do agree. They are a team that could take a step back. And one of those other two teams, Nashville or Florida, could easily get in because I, I don't think there's going to be many points separating these three teams right there at that four, five, and six spot. Yeah, and I, I see a scenario where Dallas doesn't make the playoffs. If, if what happened to them last year where they got everyone going, if – no one can get going in the regular season. Like like I said, this this whole thing can fall apart really fast if you have a bad stretch. And the Stars, not always the most most consistent team last year in the regular season. Uh, whereas Carolina, man, in the regular season, I I could see them competing for the top spot in this division with Tampa. Like Tampa Bay, I think, is at this point where they're like, all right, the regular season is what it is. We don't need to go balls out. We want to win the cup. So I think that Tampa Bay, while they are the best team in this division, they might not finished, finish at the top. They might finish two. But uh, I, I think Carolina would be my wild card for winning this division if it's not Tampa. Yeah, I love it. And for Dallas, too, like you said, there could be that opportunity. Uh, you know, obviously Ben Bishop has never had 
uh, consistent health. You know, he's never finished a whole entire season really that often. And if he fortunately and for him, this one's really short. Right. And if he and Kudobin somehow, you know, manage to, you know, just have mediocre seasons and the team that in front of him historically hasn't scored that much, uh, getting older, man, if they, you know, you could see that scenario happening and then they could they could easily fall. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be uh, it'll be fun to watch. All right. We will uh, we'll wrap this and the next division that we jump into. What do you, what do we think? The East? You want to do the East? Yeah, let's let's do the let's do the big dogs here. The big dogs. All right, we'll we'll do the East next on our, our uh, on the next show. Find us on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk. Let us know what you think. Let us know your uh, your potential uh, Central Division playoff contenders, and uh, we'll talk to you guys very soon. Enjoy the remainder of 2020. Uh, just maybe wash it away <laughs> with a lot of drinks. <laughs> we'll there talk you to you guys soon. <laughs>